Hi, Carrie. Hi there. Hi, Kelly. <laughs> Hi, Brad. <laughs> Welcome to the Thriving Survivor Podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking with Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Hello. Thank Carrie. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Carrie is a thriving survivor of grief due to the loss of her husband, Kevin, in 2017. Kevin was a 34-year-old boilermaker who died during a tragic workplace incident. According to the U.S. Department of Labor's National Bureau of Labor Statistics, there were over 5,000 fatal work injuries recorded in the United States in 2018, a number that has risen from previous years. Carrie is the mother of two seriously adorable sons, as well as a nurse at Children's Hospital, where she has also become an avid workplace safety advocate. She also practices thriving through keeping fit and in helping others on their fitness journey. She also leads a project called Kindness for Kevin, which we'll talk a little bit more about later. Carrie, can you walk us through the day you found out that Kevin had died? Absolutely. So he had went to work the day before because he was working night shift. And, you know, it's not a job where he could just easily call or text. So that was nothing out of the ordinary. So then that morning, I still haven't heard anything. Usually he would text me on his lunch or just say, like, um, on my way home. So I got a little bit concerned because then somebody else had asked me if I heard from Kevin. And I'm like, no, he's at work. You know, I haven't. Well, then I got a phone call through Facebook Messenger from um, a coworker, and his exact words were, Kevin's dead. And I had absolutely no, I hadn't watched the news yet. It was like seven in the morning. So I haven't even heard of any kind of accident at the plant he was working at. Right. So when I got that phone call, I, I didn't know what to think because nobody, there was no confirmation of anything. Right. Oh so I started calling my family, you know, um, his, his twin brother, his older brother, and everybody kind of poured over my house within 15 minutes. Thankfully, we all live close to each other. So everybody got here, and we still haven't – we had got no phone calls, nothing. So we started calling um, different – the hall and different places to see what happened. So the company didn't even call you? Yeah, it was it was a little hairy. It was hard for them to even know what happened because the the accident site still was like kind of inaccessible I see. to everybody. So then about 2 hours later the state troopers came and gave us confirmation of, you know, the worst of what we had all were praying that didn't happen, but gave us confirmation that Kevin was involved in the accident and unfortunately did not make it out. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh my god, yeah. Thank you. Obviously, that's that's a shock that is impossible to even comprehend. How did you get through that first bit that that those first few days, few weeks? The first day was sort of just going through the motions. I had to do A, B, C, and D. I had luckily lots of family, lots of help to help me with that. I never like to rely on people to help me. I like to do it myself, get it done. But if I didn't ask other people to help me with the kids and help um, take me places and do things, I would have never made it through. So I kind of had to swallow my pride a little bit, mm-hmm. ask for some help, and they they helped me through everything. And I, we just took it. We took it hour by hour, even some days minute by minute, because it, sometimes I was like, I, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. 
Right. Just like, just take a minute, breathe, process right. what you need to be doing right at this second, and then we'll just take it day by day as it comes and goes. Can, so, can you tell us a little bit about how, how, how did you tell your sons? So that was interesting. The baby was only nine months. So, oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so he didn't even, he had no idea anything that happened. But my other son, he was two and a half, and he is a very smart little boy. Mm. So my best friend was luckily on maternity leave. So she, she took my kids with her so that they missed everything after the state troopers. They were here for that. So he started to get curious. We didn't tell him anything. I wanted to be able to sit him down and explain. Right. And instead of him, because he was asking, like, well, what's everybody doing here? Right. I kind of just had to, like, ignore it, not to be sure. mean. But then right. like, that night, I sat him down, and I told him that there was a, a horrible accident at Daddy's work. And his first, re- like, reaction was, well, Mommy, you're a nurse. Why didn't you go and fix him? Oh. Hmm. So I know. So sorry, I'm I, getting emotional for you. <laughs> thank you. So I had to explain to him why I wasn't home. You know, I was with you guys. Had I been there, you know, we could have tried. But I said the accident was just so bad that n- nobody could even get down there to him. And you know, they tried. Everybody tried their best, but some right. things happen, and it's out of everybody's control. And and how did he handle it? I mean, at such a young age. Oh, that was like his, like they did everything together. That was his best friend. So that was very, very hard, very hard for him. But, you know, we just promised him that daddy's always in his heart and he's always watching. And I think that helped him to know that he is, you know, we we stress that he's still with us in spirit, in your heart, and he's still here so that he knows um, Kevin's always watching over him. Hmm. So now I know that you are now an advocate for workplace safety. How did you get to a place where you could fight for better rules from a place of, I'm sure, just complete despair in the beginning? Yes. So I started. And anger, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That was one thing to learn how to control your emotions because it's just like a, so floodgates open. So after we kind of took all the information in and realized that maybe maybe something could have been done, somebody could have spoken up, I've really tried to help these union guys and women get rid of that stigma of speaking up. Mm. Sometimes when you speak up, people look down on you. They, they want to call you a tattletale, a snitch or something. Right. But mm. I, maybe if somebody would have spoke up that day, I just keep stressing them like, would you save somebody's life if you knew saying one little thing would save their life? And I what, what, was there an obvious thing that went that should have been prevented when it, so in Kevin's death? It's still being investigated. We're not exactly sure yet, but we have kind of a, a gut feeling that, yeah. I'm sure that, you know, once they have that investigation complete, do you feel that will provide like a, a last bit of closure yes definitely yeah yeah i can't i can't imagine the feeling of like your whole life just changed yep in a in the blink heartbeat. Of an eye. yep can you talk about that <laughs> sure so initially it was you know you go through your stages of grief you're in shock so at first I, my initial thoughts were how on earth am i going to i mean a baby nine month old and a two and a half year old Right. How am I going to do this? 
by myself. Like I said before, I have a, I had problems asking people for help because I like, I like to do it myself. So I've kind of learned that you can't do that. You need, you need to ask for help if you need it. There's nothing wrong with needing help, even for little things, just to run to the grocery store. If somebody could do it for me, great. So that was like my first thing I had to get over was doing things for myself. And then I had to put the boys first and think what's best for them. I can't crawl in a hole. I had to get up every day. We had to keep on trucking forward and uh, to give them the best life that they deserve. Hmm. Now, did you use any, you know, professional resources at this point too, to, you know, help heal? Or was this something you kind of, it was just time? We went to the Highmark Caring Place, and I cannot speak any more highly of them. They are awesome. It's a center for children's grief. Oh, wow. And they are absolutely amazing. They place the kids into groups with um, their appropriate age, and then they place the adults into a different group, too, so that mm-hmm. you can have your own adult session alone without your kids right. and um, talk about things, and then the kids get their own little grief session as well. Did so, did you find you really bonded with the people in that group? Yes. When you start hearing other people's stories, you realize that you're not alone. And there are people, whether it's the same, it's not ever going to be that everyone's situation is different. But um, it makes you realize, though, that you're not alone in your journey of grief or missing somebody, that there's other people out there like you. Now, in those sessions, out of curiosity, were there people um, in different stages of healing? Were you able to see people who were farther along and have kind of hope that you could get to that place? Yes, there has. There was a few people that had been going there for years with their children, mm-hmm. and that sort of helped me know that you know we're going to be okay, and you can continue to go there until the kids are. I think they take the groups up to eighteen years old. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So what kind of tools do you feel that they gave both you and your sons to heal through this process? They help with the kids to um, teach them how to express their grief Mm. so that they're not holding it in. They do different activities with them. The one that speaks out or stands out in my mind is they had them do a mask and on the outside kind of draw what they feel on the outside. And then on the one is the inside. They drew how they feel on the inside. And there's, you can tell some days they draw sad faces, but on the outside, they're happy. Right. Tell them that it's okay to express what you're feeling on the inside. That's genius. Yeah. Yeah. They're, it's an amazing organization. That's a valuable life skill for any child to have, frankly. <laughs> for any, any adult to have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to start drawing masks. Yeah. <laughs> so this, this isn't that long ago. You must still uh, – do you feel like you're – thriving now is it is it something you're you're getting toward i mean that's obviously everybody's heals on their own pace and so there's no expectation that you should or shouldn't be yes where do you feel you are on your journey right now we feel that we are on the i don't know if there's ever going to be an actual upswing of this but i keep telling them just because we had a bad day that day does not mean we're gonna have a bad life we can't we can't dwell on how horrible that that day was to everybody we have to take this and try to turn it into a positive so whether it's just me teaching them that one day or you know we have to have a positive outlook on this so I feel like we are kind of on the upswing of you know my I'm still angry yeah 
but there's other emotions that, you know, we're happy that we had the time with Kevin that we did. And we, I try to tell them that we have happy memories too, not just this one bad. Right. How do you wake up each day and choose that optimistic path? Choose the, the happy memories. So some days are a little harder than others, <laughs> which you can understand that. Of but course. It's just, I've always been a pretty optimistic, happy person. And those first couple of weeks where we were just so sad, I'm, I, I just, something clicked one day and I was like, I can't, we can't live like that. We have to get up every day and, and see the light, find the joy in each day. Was there something that happened that triggered that moment for you? Um, no, it was just, you know, everybody would tell me like, oh, things get better with time and it's never going to get easier. You find better ways to cope with it. Mm. So I think my coping skills have gotten stronger than originally in the beginning. So if someone maybe where you were a couple of years ago or something just recently happened to them, what, what advice would you have for them? I would tell them to right now. Take your emotions in. You're allowed to feel. You're allowed to feel angry. You're allowed to be sad. You're allowed to be mad, but you have to take those negatives and try to turn them into a positive. Because if you live each day getting up angry, it's you're not going to have a happy life. You're going to be miserable. You know, I we want our kids. If you have them, you want your kids to be happy because they they really go on your emotions. They can right. sense what you're feeling. So you know, I I didn't want them to to grow up me unhappy every day. You're allowed to have bad days and it's going to happen, but try to have the, the good days outweigh the bad days. What do you feel were some of the things I know with about kindness for Kevin? Is that one of the ways you turned a tragedy into a positive for your boys and for yourself? Yes. So we had little, we had like little business cards made and on the front, it says in memory of Kevin, in the, his union number, and then on the back, it says, oh, if you see something, say something, stand up for workplace safety. Okay. And then we just use those, you know, to pay it forward or you know, um, pay somebody's parking meter, uh, pay somebody's coffee, just to give somebody a smile oh. if they're having a bad day. I like to leave little, like, like a $5 Target gift card, like in the somewhere random. Like I left one at the gym's bathroom and <laughs> somebody smile, like, oh, but yeah, just to um, and keep his name in his memory alive too. That's awesome. So I mean, to pass on happiness and kindness through this experience is just miraculous to me, yeah. right? And 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 having your boys watch that behavior. Yes. Have you noticed? How old are your boys now? They are three and five. So they're just probably little happiness makers for people now because they've seen this action since they were young. That's so fun. Do you have any examples of things they've done in for kindness for Kevin? What did we do? The one day they, I wasn't even going to think about paying for the person behind me for their coffee just because we were like in a rush, probably on our way to school. And my oldest one, Killian, was like, Mommy, can you please pay for their coffee? That would be so nice. And I'm like, you know Absolutely. That's wonderful. They already know that giving back to people is, is so important. I love that. That's why I teach them in the world where you can be anything you want to be, to be a kind person and to be a happy person and to radiate that to everybody else. That's the most important thing you could probably be. That's great. 
You had also mentioned that fitness has been something you've been focusing on. Yes. Can you talk about that? Sure. I always had worked out in the past, you know, before kids and all that. And then one day it, I was, I think I was on Facebook scrolling through and I seen an advertisement for a gym and then I'm sitting there and I realized I'm all that these two young boys sort of have left. We have other family, but this is, you know, they only have one parent now. So I was like, I really need to do something for myself to make sure that I can expand my time with them and make myself the healthiest I can be and do what I can to make sure that they have more time with me. So I joined, I signed up and I joined and I have never been happier with that in my life. I like there something called a fit member ambassador where you, cause it's kind of intimidating walking to a gym for the first time. Right. And you see everybody and you're like, oh, they know what they're doing. So as right. a member ambassador, we help the new members feel comfortable, kind of give them a partner for that day. And then you're there as a resource too. You're, you always remember your first day there and to have somebody helping you. And I love doing that. That's fantastic. Nice. So it must be like a therapy session in itself. Yes. <laughs> yes. Speaking of therapy, are you, are you still, are you doing any personal therapy? Not right now. I guess again, COVID, yeah, right? We sort of place that on the back burner only because I right, right now we're having a really good couple months um, rough with the quarantine and everything, but that's right. from having two young boys locked up in the house. <laughs> <laughs> but mentally, like, we're okay right now. Yeah. That's good. That's really good to hear. Yeah. Thank you. So, and, and if you don't feel comfortable answering this, you can just say so. And that's, that's completely fine. My question for you is, do you feel as though it, it will be possible for you at some point to find love again? Or do you think it's possible for anyone to coming out of a circumstance like this? Absolutely. Yes, I do. I believe everybody has a soulmate. Yeah. Um, but I do believe there's, you know, somebody else out there not to fill a void, but just because everybody deserves to be happy too. Great. So can I ask you a question too? Before any of this happened, what did you feel, what did you feel a survivor would be? Before I would say somebody that had been through, it could be a tragic or it even could be a, any event that left a mark on them. Mm -hmm. But I would almost think it would have to be like a physical event that happened to them. Like not necessarily somebody that something happened to their loved one or their husband or even their children. Would you say now after this experience, your, your definition of that is different? Yes. Yes. I now realize that it doesn't have to happen to you. It could be somebody around you or even somebody that you just know coming out of a tragic event would make them a survivor. Excellent. How about, how about thriving? Before this, what did you feel thriving was? I felt thriving was just, you're doing good in life, you know, having a nice life. You're happy. <laughs> and how about now? What would you say thriving is after this experience? I would say thriving would be not only being a happy person, but also helping others to come out of that dark place or just to let somebody know that you are there for them and to pass on your happiness to other people. Mm. 
if if you know someone who's in this sort of situation what what sort of practices would would you recommend that someone do to help like is there some stuff that people did that was not helpful but other stuff that people did that was yes so one thing that um everybody did for me when this first happened within the first few months is they set up a meal train and Mm. that took my mind off of grocery shopping, going to the store, cooking, because we were doing a lot of, like I had a lot of running around to do. Right. That helped me a lot. And I'm not, again, I'm not, I love to cook. So I wasn't used to people cooking for me, but they did. And I was like, take the help, let them do it. And that lasted four months that I had people just pouring like breakfast to just drop it off. And there was a sign up sheet. So that like, that helped so much. Oh, wow. Um, yes. It was I'm still like flabbergasted of the amount of support. Yes, support and kindness that there's still left in the world. Yeah. Is, is there something that you would say, eh, that's not so helpful? Sometimes people don't know what to say to you. So my advice would be if you don't know what to say, just maybe not say anything at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about now that there's been time passed? Do you feel that having people still talk about Kevin is helpful or do you find it to be too hard? You know, how do, how do you keep his memory alive through other people? You know, if they're coming up to you and they don't want to say something, but then they Mm -hmm. have a good memory. How, How do they navigate that in your opinion? People know that I'm very open to like hearing the good stories and even the the bad or the funny stories. Right. I'm open to hearing those because I do love to hear all the, the memories that people have of him and that how it makes them feel happy when they remember him. So every once in a while, I'll throw up on like social media, like picture him, and I'll say like, hit me with your best memory that you have with Kevin. And it just oh, cool. keeps his name alive and keeps his memory alive and open mm-hmm. and people like to talk about that and gives them some joy too. Something you can share with your kids too, I imagine. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Is there a good memory that you'd like to share about Kevin with us? Oh, yes. We have lots of good memories. <laughs> I know. Hard to pick just one, right? <laughs> I would probably say when the kids were born because he was never like a huge like newborn baby. I want to hold you and cuddle you. <laughs> with my first one, I had to have a C-section. So, you know, my arms, I'm still on the table and they, they go to hand the baby to him and he, his face was just like... <laughs> Priceless. He was like, I was like, don't drop it. <laughs> the oh no, what do I do? I'm suddenly a parent face. <laughs> he like was he was just holding his breath, and I was like, can you get him a chair? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, you're on the table, <laughs> like being the tough guy. He's like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm like, okay. Oh, how fun! And then oh, when fun. our next son was born, he was actually at work. And it was like 4 a.m. And I called him. I was like, we need to go to the hospital. He's like, oh, oh, what do I do? And I'm like, we have to leave work because he was working like Ohio. Oh, shoot. Oh, God. Well, yes. And then that, that I had it was in labor for 26 hours. So. Oh, good God. Oh, my God. With his second one. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah, so oh was, those are always good memories because it was just, you know, him and I in the room. We had 26 hours just to chat, talk about things. and Yeah. Yeah, with no distractions other than contractions. Yeah. <laughs> right. Carrie, maybe we've kind of covered this, but do you do you feel like you're thriving now? 
What does that mean for you? I do. I feel I am because the biggest thing for me is people, a lot of times people come to me for maybe advice on how to get through a tragic event or even like, what should I do about this or that? I think that um, says that they also see me as doing well and thriving. Mm. Um, So to see and kind of hear what other people think of you in that sense Mm. makes me know that I, I think I am thriving. You know, some days you're like, Oh, I don't know. I'm not doing too hot. And then you'll have somebody text you or call you and just say like, I'm having a really bad day. Like, can you help me? And I'm like, sure. You know, that's a nice reminder that you you are doing well. That's really interesting. I never really thought of it like that. Other people, I, I think sometimes it's hard for us to see other people's perception of us. And so that's great that you can take it in that fashion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if they're, if, if they're coming to you, that's a sure sign that they think you're doing well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. So what's next for you? What, what, what do you have? What are you doing next to continue this? We were supposed to have a, every year we have a boxing match in memory of Kevin Oh, cool. Um, the money raised, we are donating, but it got, it was supposed to be in May. Well, then it got tabled to August, but then oh. the COVID, and now we're not sure if we can have one this year. But we were donating the proceeds to the Caring Place and Beverly's birthdays in Kevin's name. Oh, great. Oh, nice. What's Beverly's birthdays? Can you talk about that? Sure. It's an organization, and she throws birthday parties for families that cannot afford one or provide one for. They're little ones. Oh, how great. Oh, yeah, that's great. And yes, we found, I found a lot of nonprofits that it was so hard to pick because they're all amazing. But yeah, right. but I like that one because, you know, with kids and that, that one stuck out to me. Absolutely. What are your goals long term? Goals long term. Hmm. I mean, I guess you've been talking about, I mean, it seems like your number one priority is, is your kids, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So um, right now so just to be to teach them just the life lessons like you know yes we did have this horrible event happen to us but we can't let we can't dwell on that and just think of how horrible it is we have to make this positive we have to try to change the workplace safety we have to try to change the stigma um, of speaking up and everything and I have to teach them that you know you you can it's not that you're forgetting about your dad and we're not moving on in the sense of like forgetting about him, but it's okay to have a happy life and have a good life, even though you had a horrible experience and, and tragedy happen to mm. you. So you, it, it seemed like accepting help is, is some advice you would give to people and obviously accessing resources like the, the grief yes. centers. And is there any other sort of, little advice or other thoughts you'd like to share on how people can move forward? Yes. I like to say, don't, don't give up faith. It's so easy just to to be mad at at God and just say, why, why did you do this? Um, There's a reason for everything. We might not know it right now, but in the end, you know, things will, will know why this happened at some point, whether it is to change the rules of workplace safety or whether it was to teach us of, teach them a horrible life lesson that life isn't fair. Uh, you know, there's a reason. Don't give up faith. Don't be mad at everybody. There might not even be a good answer for this, but are, are there any really little things that 
were helpful for you or that you would say, oh, this will keep you going? Yes. Taking time for yourself for to make sure that you're okay and a little self-care is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, I have two kids, but I, I found it. Let me, I'm going to go get my nails done. That's you know, 40 minutes or half hour, whatever it is. Take time for yourself. You have to make sure you're okay if you want to help others and take care of them. Make sure that they're okay. Take time out for yourself. It's it's okay to ask for help. I have a a necklace that I wear. It has Kevin's fingerprint on it that somebody got me. Oh um, wow! Wow! Yeah, they do that. It's something they don't really touch upon when you're planning the funeral. They take like a digital print and then they keep it. And you oh wow! So many beautiful things made. So I have a little huh. necklace, and even if I just sat quietly in my bedroom with the necklace, it made me feel a little, little better. Just take a couple minutes to start myself, say some prayers, and come out of it with a little bit of a clear mind than I went in. Yeah. What a lovely gift. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Carrie, why did you want to do this interview today? I wanted to do it because hopefully maybe there's somebody out there that has a similar story about grief or who was thinking that they weren't doing so well that day and help others, help them realize that they're not alone that there are resources, that they're going to make it through. Did Were you able to find strength inside yourself you didn't know was there? Absolutely, yeah. Can you talk about that? Um, that's what, at, the, at the funeral, you know, you think like, how am I going to do this? Like, I can't, there's no way I'm going to be able to go to this and be okay. But I realized, you know, having everybody come through and thinking so highly of Kevin and keeping, telling these funny little stories, I realized like, I not only have the strength I had before this, but I have this newfound strength that I'm pulling from this situation Yeah, to help get through it. So I, I definitely found deep down I had more than I thought I had in me. Hmm. And presumably everyone else does too. Yes. Thank you so much for, you know, being willing to share your story with us and with our listeners. We just wish you well in your future that you continue to thrive in, and it'll be fun to see, you know, how your boys grow up and continue achieving and, and promoting kindness yes. through through the memory of their dad. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And listeners, thank you for joining us as well. We're going to be wrapping up season one with a special guest, my very own co-host Kelly, interviewed by myself and thriving survivors, social media expert Miranda. We're very happy to share Kelly's thoughts and insights on her struggles with depression generally and with postpartum depression in particular. To ye person who has never experienced depression, you being sad is not what depression is. And it's so hard to explain. Like, I'm a person, when I'm in a good place, I get sad, but I don't feel like I'm having a depressive episode, right? Like, I know the difference because I've experienced it. And I think it's just one of the things I would say is not to make light of it. Listen without trying to fix. And and I just got this from my husband today because I was chatting with him about this. It's like, how have you dealt with me for, you know, going on 13 years or more <laughs> from the time we started dating? And he said, well, I did it badly in the beginning. He said, I did all the wrong things. He said, but I've finally figured out that thing to do is to distract you out of that place. He goes, sometimes I make you laugh. Sometimes I tell you to go take a nap. 
He goes, literally, Kelly, sometimes I make you angry at me because that's better than where you are in despair. And I was like, oh, really? (laughs) Wow. So I found that to be really interesting. But I do think the distract method can be helpful. Humor, way better than anger, right? (laughs) Right. But sometimes if you try the humor and that person is not not in that place for that, you know, encouraging taking a nap, encouraging them, them to seek therapy, telling them you'll help them find a therapist. I think that's one of the most difficult things, right, for someone who's suffering from depression is when you sort of feel like life is worthless, there is an inability to have motivation to do anything to help yourself. There's vast amounts of therapists and psychologists and out there, but you want me to go sift through all that and find someone nearby who takes my insurance and would work with me and, you know, like, that's, oh my gosh, like that feels like climbing Mount Everest and just to someone who's never, you know, walked up a hill. <laughs> if you find our interviewees as inspiring as we do, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook or check out our website, thrivingsurvivor.org. 